Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home and true Southern sister, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Well, hello and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program, our special show for Southern women and the men who adore them. I am your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Just so happy to be here. I'm in the studio with my sweet Southern sister and dear friend, Sandy Weaver Carmen. Hey, Sandy. Happy Saturday. (laughs) Happy Saturday. I do love the weekends. I know. It's the reward for surviving the week. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's that that's that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it doesn't matter <laughs> if maybe you have house chores to do or yard right. chores to do, it's still yeah. yours. It's yours. You can you can sleep in a little bit maybe or not and just mm-hmm. kind of do your thing. It's just the freedom and the liberation of the weekend is can never be understated. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, uh, southern hospitality is sort of what this show's all about. Well, the southern lifestyle Southern hospitality is a big part of that. Right. Um, you know, and I, one of my favorite resources at my home, I've had it, uh, a copy of one of these for many, many years, is Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I like it. The uh, 1828 Dictionary? It, he wrote it in 1828. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful resource because it just uh, uses such colorful language mm-hmm. and beautiful, eloquent definitions. Uh, it's not dry. And interestingly, Noah in 1828 defined hospitality as the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. I just, nice. Doesn't that sound nice? That's, can you read that again? Yeah, one That's more really time. Sweet. <laughs> the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers, so it's not just our friends, strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. Just makes me want to have a open up my home, you just know, to have everybody in. I know so many people like that who who that is their that's their just way of walking in the world, right? You know, they just behave that way. They yeah. are hospitable people, hospitable people, hospitable personalities. Yes. And a lot of times with women, we are trained pretty much. I know here in the South, we're trained from an early age to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of considered part of our an essential part of our upbringing. Right. Um, and I kind of was thinking about it this week. I thought perfect example would be the way we played with toys as children. Uh, for example, my brother had a G.I. Joe doll, mm-hmm. one G.I. Joe doll, right? He would get into adventures. He would have, you know, he'd, he'd do all kinds of crazy things. But I had at least 10 Barbies. Well, yeah. Because there was always, you couldn't just have one Barbie because you had to have a party. Right. Right. So you had the girlfriends had to get together. We would set up, you know, house in the rooms and we would, we would create whole uh, lives for these Barbies and there would be a, a sort of a, an opportunity for them to get together and have parties or, or just get together and hang out, you know? Compare shoes. Compare shoes. I thought Barbie had the best shoes. They did a lot. <laughs> you know, until my oldest daughter was about 10 years old, she didn't realize that Barbies had shoes because she had four younger siblings. So every time a new Barbie came into the house, the shoes had to disappear. Oh, you know what I no. Mean. They're a choking hazard well, for yeah. the little ones. So yeah. she told me she was about 10 before she realized Barbies even had shoes. <laughs> I wonder what she thought about that odd foot shape then. It's very strange. <laughs> What's the point of that? Barbie she was, walks on tiptoes all, all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I think that women by nature, we are social creatures. And the concept of hospitality is really just a natural extension of that. Um, you know, especially here in the South, it just comes natural to us 
think about when you get married and you register for your china. You don't you don't order two plates. You don't register for two. You register no. for ten or twelve. Yes, for all those dinner parties that exactly. you are kind of going to be throwing right. And so there's always an excuse, I think, to be hospitable in the South. It's yeah. either a uh, you know you get married, you have a party. You have a baby, you have a party. You it's get Saturday, you have a party. You have a party. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Birthdays, anniversaries. I mean, hospitality and celebration in the South particularly just go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural way. To, and it's sort of a way, great way to expe- express, uh, you know, graciousness. It's how we show people we love each other mm-hmm. and how we care. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Noah said that hospitality is also extended to strangers. And I was thinking to myself... How do you extend hospitality to a stranger aside from maybe helping one out or giving one a lending hand, mm-hmm. lending one a hand, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that uh, I was thinking about the idea of, of random acts of kindness. Yes. Now, if you have ever been the recipient of a random act of kindness, you probably remember it. It can, you know, it can make it quite an blows impression. your mind. Doesn't it? Yeah. Have you had uh, someone do something random for you? Like, for example, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like in the drive-thru. I've had that happen a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah, where you get up to the front or in a toll plaza. Right. And the person in front of you has paid your toll. I love that. Or 10 people in front of you paid the toll for the next 10 people. Oh, I've never had something. that. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've had that too. That's yeah. pretty cool. I love I love doing that. I've done it a few times myself in the uh, in the Starbucks drive through, yeah. you know, and you look in the rear of your mirror. A lot of times I remember once I saw a mother. She was in a minivan, must have had four or five kids in the car. She just looked tired. <laughs> I could relate. <laughs> and so it's just a random act of kindness. I think is just one of those natural extensions of Southern hospitality. And there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to do it. I was. Uh, I have to tell you, this past weekend, uh, and a lot of you that are listening will remember that I was talking about that my mother is in hospice, and I've been spending a lot of time with her here at the end of her life. And we had a wonderful, wonderful opportunity this past weekend for her 86-year-old sister to fly in to come and visit her sister, to visit my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we had a wonderful time taking my aunt and uh, a couple of family members, and we went and spent time with my mother. And it was one of the most truly moving and meaningful experiences of my life, honestly, to see these two beautiful sisters who've loved each other for 76 years um, really sort of say their final goodbyes to each other. It was just there was not a dry eye there. Right. When we left hospice, we um, everybody was uh, we'd just been there through lunch. It was two o'clock, two through two through two thirty in the afternoon. And we were all hungry. I, and I said, well, let's all go get something to eat. We headed over to a, a restaurant uh, kind of near uh, near where they were staying at their hotel, and we had a wonderful lunch together and, and just reflecting and sharing memories and, and that sort of thing. And it was just a precious time for us to, to, to be together. And I wanted to be sure that the waitress brought me the check because I wanted to treat my aunt right. and my cousin who was there. Because you're sweet like that. Well, most of, not all the time. Most, most <laughs> of the time. that face. <laughs> most of the time I'm sweet. And, uh, and I, was, I, I tried to get her attention so that she would be sure to, I didn't want somebody else. You know that awkward moment when you know, you want to treat, but you're afraid that they're going to grab for the check first. Right. So you try to fend, you try to head off the waitress and say, make, you know, pointing to yourself, bring, bring it here. And, uh, and she came over next to me, the waitress did, and she, she said to all of us at the table, she said, well, I, I just wanted to let you know that um, there was a very nice gentleman who was sitting at the table behind you, and uh, he mentioned to me that, the, the, that you, you seemed so happy and were having such a good time and uh, seemed so sweet, and he said he wanted to pick up your check, and he paid for your lunch. Oh, wow. And this was a nice restaurant. Wow. This was not just a, 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 you know, a grande coffee at the Starbucks drive-thru. This was a 
you know. Right. <laughs> it was a substantial little bill that he picked say. up for you. Yes, yeah, yeah. it was. And uh, and it, everybody just kind of looked at the waitress like she had two heads. What do you mean he paid for our lunch? And he said, yeah, he just wanted to tell you, hope you all had a happy Mother's Day and have a great day. Wow. And it was just so moving to me. That's a random act of kindness. Don't you think that was? Yeah. And to me, we were strangers to him. Mm-hmm. He didn't know us from yeah. Adam. And, um, and I thought to myself later... Um, how wonderful that I'd been. He could not have possibly known mm-hmm. what my family had you know, been through, the emotions that we had been through that day, right. the, the tender, bittersweet experiences that we'd been having at my mother's bedside. Um, he just acted on an impulse there and did something sweet for us. And I have to tell you, I think I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. You know where angels come from, right? Where is that? I believe that was an angel that was sent for you. You think so? I think so. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm thinking. Well, it, it, I believe it. Um, you know, angels are alive and well and yep. among us, especially here in the South, Sandy. Y'all just needed something really nice <laughs> to happen for you, and you got an angel sent to take care of that. I think we did. I didn't know angels had credit cards. Mm. Who knew? He did. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are that go- that sweet angel uh, that is out there somewhere, I don't know who you are, I said, but I, I just want to thank you, though, for for being there and extending that gracious act of Southern hospitality, that that um, meaningful random act of kindness to me and my family, it will not be forgotten. And if you want to tell a random act of kindness story, mm. we would love to hear it. Just email radio at southernsistershome.com. We'll be right back. So Southern, you can almost smell the magnolias. Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. And now, more Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. Here's your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. And we're back. This is my favorite segment. Here goes Sandy again. Just snapping her fingers. Just having a good time. (laughs) Listen to some John Lithgow. Everybody eats when they come to our house, Sandy. Yep. At least yours, our, definitely. Yeah, Mine most of the time. There's a lot of eating going on at yeah. my house. I've got, you know, teenagers and early 20-somethings, oh. college. So you do pack in the groceries. Yeah. You know, they descend at the, at the beginning of the summer. They come home from school, from college. They mm-hmm. descend upon my house like locusts. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing left. Whereas I used to be able to get by with maybe a half a pound of deli meat, you uh-huh. know. Oh, I, need, no. I need two, three, four pounds a week yeah. for these kids to feed yeah. them. Yeah. Everything needs to be supersized. I'm surprised not two, three, four pounds a day. I know. Yeah. They can eat. They can put it away. Especially the, especially the boys. Remember I, when we could do that? Put away the food? Yeah. Well, I could still do it, but I would regret it. Yes. You know, I don't. Yeah. Be, I would be quite the large woman. I would, too. You know what I heard after, uh, I'm not even going to say how old I am, but at about my point in life, they say you pretty much have to exercise twice as much and eat half as much just to say, stay the same size. It's just not fair, it is, is it? It's not right. It's not fair. It's not right. But that's okay. Yeah, I can still enjoy my food, and I, I think we should give away a cookbook. I think that's a great idea. In fact, let's not just give away one. Let's give away three. Three again this week? We did it last week. You're a rock star. And it's a, yes, I think we should definitely do it. And we're not going to make you do anything for it. All you got to do is send us an email. Tell us you'd like me to send you a cookbook. Uh, we, I think my latest cookbook would be a good one to give away this week, uh, Sandy. It's Seasons in the South, celebrating the lost art of the uh, the Southern dinner is really mm-hmm. what it is. It, you cook your way through all four seasons and uh, 400 photographs. So I think this would be a great, great gift uh, for someone. So just send us an email at radio at southernsistershome.com. First three people to send us an email will get a cookbook. So go ahead and send the emails. 
radio at southernsistershome.com. And if you want to wander around the website, that would be, uh, oddly enough, southernsistershome.com. I wonder how we came up with that. Yeah, you. Yeah, right. Brilliant, genius Jenny <laughs> well, McCormick. It's got to be easy and simple for me. Guess what month this is, Sandy? Uh, May. It is May, but there's much more to it than that. What? It's National Barbecue Month. I love you, barbecue. You've been waiting with bated breath. I love Haven't barbecue. You? Pork barbecue. Pulled oh. pork barbecue. If you go to Memphis, um, mm-hmm. it's all about the ribs. Yes. In Kansas City, they're introducing a little bit of beef, but there's some pork there too. You right. go to Texas, it's all about the brisket. It is. all and Oh man, a good Texas brisket. Mm. But for me, if it's southern and pulled pork barbecue and it doesn't have the North Carolina mustard and vinegar sauce on it, right. I don't want to eat it. You don't want to eat it. You I don't want that red like. stuff. I don't yeah. want that red stick. Ah. No, none of that red sticky I gotta tell you, stuff. I like it all. I, I haven't met a, you know, a plate of barbecue yet that I haven't liked. And, and Marquis was telling us about how he does barbecue and his sounds really good too. Yeah, everybody's got their thing. You know, they've got their particular style. Marquis mm-hmm. has a special chips that he likes to use on his bar. Well, and that's the interesting thing. When you say barbecue, it could be one of two things. Right. And you know, I, honestly, when we were kind of working on this, I was, I made a, an incorrect assumption that we were talking about good old Southern pork barbecue when in referencing National Barbecue Month, but that's not what they mean at all. We're not? No. And Dang I know it. you got all excited and I hate to bring you down from that because Dang. it was so fun hearing you go on and on about your favorite barbecue. <laughs> um, well, barbecue, as you're describing it in the South, is really a form of Southern cuisine, mm-hmm. right? You got your pulled pork, your barbecue sauce, your baked beans, coleslaw, you know, the good white bread for dipping in the sauce. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here today, though. Dang it. <laughs> National Barbecue Month is actually referring to the, the technique of barbecuing. Oh. So if, if I may be so bold as to correct them, because I don't think a Southern person came up with this concept of National Barbecue, <laughs> or they would have. But I, I really think it should be called probably National Grilling, Grilling Out Month, Out Month because yeah. that's what they're referring to. And, and it kind of brings up or conjures up a, an age-old debate of the whole gas grill versus charcoal grill debate. And I'm suspecting that Marquis has an opinion about that, too. <laughs> but let me tell you what, what, and you can do it both ways. And if mm-hmm. you have one that you like better than the other, here's a good way to kind of look at it. And some people can look at it this way. The gas grill is convenient. Mm-hmm. It's an easy cleanup, right? Um, I like to refer to it as a great busy night weekday Because it's instant gratification. There you have Turn it. Turn it on. And in, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes, you've got a grill hot enough to cook in, depending exactly. on the temperature you're after. Ex- I mean, it's instant gratification as opposed to doing the coals right. where you have to just spend some time and let the coals get happy and let them get all gray, which patience. for a woman is not a great thing. No. But for coals, it's exactly what you want. It is. Yeah. It, patience takes is required. It does. With There's women and with coals. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. There's some similarities there. Yes. That's, a, that's a whole other topic for okay. another show. I think. But let's talk about charcoal for a minute because that's more of the. Um, that's the, the the longer process, right? Mm-hmm. That's I've described that more as the weekend. I have time to hang out and kind of pay attention to my grill and play with it and baby it a little bit. Right. And this, now the the attributes with the charcoal grill, of course, you're going to have that unmistakable smoky flavor, right? It's much hotter, uh, therefore great for searing and charring meats, mm-hmm. right? And the aroma, can you, can you, oh, is there anything better than that wonderful aroma of the charcoal burning and the you know, in the summertime, no. it just conjures up all kinds of ideas of backyard. And the smell food. of somebody throwing a steak on. And yes. some of that fat hitting the, dripping yeah. down and hitting the fire. The oh, sizzle. That is the best it smell. It is the best. It is. And you know, you can go with uh, the pressed charcoal briquettes, which are easy. 
Uh, the briquettes are easy and cheap. You can get those at local grocery store. If you want to be a little fancier, though, dabble in a little something a little more creative, you can go with the lump hardwood charcoal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a feeling for for those that are true diehard grillers, that would be Marquis. That would be Marquis. I, he's, got his, <laughs> he's got a big smile on his face right now. And I happen to know, I have a little bit of inside information that Marquis prefers pecan. I think in cherry uh-huh. uh, wood for his for smoking his very meat. floral, very <laughs> light smoke, very floral yeah. smoke. I bet that's really good. It's delicious, and you know, apple wood would impart more of a sweet flavor. You've got hickory that would give you sort of that smoky bacon flavor. Mm-hmm. And what you're looking for there with any of these charcoal briquettes, and for those that don't know, you, they start out black, they turn orange, and you're looking in the end. What you're looking for is a nice thin layer of gray ash. Yeah, gray ash on the outside of those briquettes. Once you've got that, you know you're ready to start grilling. You and missed the best kind which of briquette, kind? though. What did I miss? Mesquite. 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 That is your favorite. If you like, if you like peppery on your food, you, yeah. you have to just think about, you know, just think about some mesquite. You did mention that earlier. I can't yeah. believe I forgot that. That's okay. Yeah, that's. I'll, no, I'll let it slide this time. Mesquite Don't let it happen for again. Sandy. Let's not forget this. <laughs> and then what you really want to then also uh, try to achieve, if you can, for a really uh, great grill experience with your charcoal grill is, is Learn how to build a classic two-zone fire, if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is going to be great for burgers, steaks, chops, chicken, anything. Basically, what you're doing is once you've got those coals just the way you want them, you're going to kind of make two zones. What you're going to do is you're going to have your hot zone and you're going to have your hotter zone. And typically, what you can do there is just kind of move all those briquettes, move your charcoal over to one side there, mm-hmm. right? That's your hotter side. Okay. okay. So you just shove all the charcoal onto yeah. one side. Basically, you're having the charcoal cover about 50% of the surface area of that bottom grate of your grill. And then you can either have just a few little briquettes on the other other side, the other half, or none at all. Uh, you're still going to have lots of heat on that other side, though, that's being generated. The nice thing, which, here, what you're trying to achieve here, is you're going to plop those burgers, steaks, chops, whatever you're using, plop them down on that hotter side, and you want to achieve a nice sear a nice char on the outside of them you know what i'm saying and those beautiful grill marks the gorgeous grill marks diamonds not boxes not diamonds not <laughs> diamonds not boxes are you are you one of the ones that stands out there and tries to position the meat just yes. right so you get that picture perfect diamond diamonds not boxes <laughs> but you want, once you have a nice chart and for the, with a burger it could be any or a steak it could be anywhere from 3 to 4 minutes each side you get that nice caramelization that mm-hmm. charred over that yeah. high heat if you kept it on the high heat side the whole time, you would likely, you run the risk of drying out the meat or overcooking it. Yeah. So you want to then move it to the hot side to finish cooking it. I like to say this is the equivalent of the technique used in the kitchen often, which is where you sear the meat in a, in a pan, right, to get that nice char, and then you finish it in the oven. Right. So basically, with the classic two-zone fire in your grill, what you've got is a you're going from direct heat to indirect heat. Heat it up fast, sear it good, and then slow cook it the rest of the way. Um, and this really, honestly, when you do that, especially when you're moving it over to the lower heat side, you're also going to reduce the risk of, well, as I said, from over, overcooking it. You're not going to dry it flare, out. You're yeah. not going to dry it out. You're not going to have the risk of flare-ups and things like that uh, that could otherwise be an issue. But for the most part, if you are, are talking to folks that are good at this and good at grilling out and, and kind of make it incorporate it into their weekly routine, um, I, you know, they may very well have a charcoal grill and a, and a gas one. Um, and, and certainly the charcoal grills are very cheap. My goodness. You can you can pick up a charcoal grill for $15, oh, sure. $20 at the, at the Home Improvement good. Store. They'll last the whole summer. Yeah. And if they don't, 
Right. Get another one. You can just get another one. And I have. I've had I've had a few mishaps over the years. Yeah. Uh, I had one that fell off the deck. Well, that's um, a problem. That was a problem. Yeah. yeah, it was a fire hazard, and we lost one that way. But, but for and also remember, you want to um, you want to brush that grate with a little bit of oil. And a great way to do that is to dip a paper towel in some oil, hold that paper towel with your tongs, and kind of rub that back and forth over that grate so that your meat's not sticking. Right. Um, but you know, with just a little care, just a little attention to these these steps here, you could be a masterful griller, just like Marquis, in no time at all. And you will be. And if you have any questions about grilling, email radio at southernsistershome.com. Yeah, that's right. And we'll be right back. More food to come. Sweet tea? Why, yes, thank you. Southern Sisters Radio, exclusively on Faith Talk Atlanta. Time to eat peace. Have a banana, Hannah. As southern as pecan pie, or pecan pie, and twice as sweet. Southern Sisters Radio, on Faith Talk Atlanta. And welcome back. Here we are. The grill is hot. It is, uh, we're heading on into our third now uh, segment, our food talk segment, and we're celebrating National Barbecue Month. And we've been talking about preparing our grill, getting ready for outdoor season. And we got a hot grill here ready to go. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to make for dinner. And I've been kind of reflecting on how much Southern sisters love a good burger. And we do love a good burger. So we're going to talk a little bit about the art of the burger. But first, I kind of want to share with you uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, Mr. Nate Forrest from Tupelo, Mississippi, who uh, actually has some thoughts on the burger. Hello, Nate. Oh, uh, I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be Nate. Yeah. OK, I'm, I'm oh. sorry. I'm I'm Nate. That's right. I'm Nate. <laughs> My advice to young men, marry a woman who appreciates a good burger and isn't afraid to show it. Now, that's a good sign for a long and happy marriage. Nothing wrong with salads, of course, but sometimes a girl just needs to sink her teeth into some beef. Take my wife, for example. We'd been dating only a short time when I took her out for a cheeseburger at a diner in my old hometown. To my surprise, she polished off that burger with great enthusiasm, almost like it was her duty as an American. That's when I knew she was the girl for me. Oh, my. That's good job. Sorry. That's the best I can do to oh, be that's Nate. The you know, my, I have to tell you, my husband is very much like Nate. He really is. He, yes. I think he appreciates a woman with a healthy appetite. Good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There is a time and a place for a salad. Mm-hmm. But it's not uh, It's not during our grill segment. I can tell you that no. right now. No. no. I mean, we can have the salad on the side. Yes. Or the salad can go on the burger. I, I've done that, yeah. actually. Yeah. But yeah, you got to have the burger. You the gotta burger be is able, the star of the show. It is the star of the show. If I think if I, there was one food, if I could only have one food for the rest of my life, it would probably be a good burger if I had to pick one. Wow. No question about it. Yeah. You know, I, I've always thing. thought it was pizza. Yeah. But now that you say burger, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah you're probably right. I know. You can change up the toppings yeah. a little bit from here, you know, yeah. now and then. But it's uh, it's wonderful. And the perfect burger, the perfect burger is what we're here to talk about um, we just want to make, which is a, really not so difficult to do. There's right. just a little bit of artistry to it once you've mastered it. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions out there about how to do a really good burger. Okay. And I'm not going to call anybody out and I'm not going to name names. A now, couple of friends of mine who don't do it right. Now, do you put spices in the meat before you cook it or you if put I spices a, on the meat? If I have a good quality meat, I don't put anything into it. Um, okay. I, I think and sort of a lot for a lot of us and my philosophy has always been simple is best. Don't fuss too much, especially with a burger. Um, and uh, uh, something that may be hard for a lot of us figure-conscious women to accept, but it's true, 
The flavor is in the fat. 80-20, baby. It's got to be 80-20, baby. Good. (laughs) It has got to be 80-20. So you want 80% lean, 20% fat, and you're going to get the most flavorful burger that way. Um, And that delicious sizzle. Um, it's that's just the right balance for the perfect burger. I usually like make my burgers about six ounces. You can go bigger or smaller. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny actually when I'm making my patties. Um, you can definitely look at my my platter of of, of hamburger patties and, and and see who who's you know what's for. Because I want a little. I don't want a real big one. So I'll make this. Here's this little mama bear patty over here, uh-huh. and then there's the big daddy patty, and the the daddy kids patty. are smaller. The daddy patty. <laughs> But definitely what you want to remember when you are taking that that hamburger meat and you're forming those patties, you want to form them gently. You don't want to manhandle them. You don't want to pack them tight, tight, tight. Uh, Don't press it together too much. It's going to be too dense, and consequently, you're going to end up with a tougher burger. So you want to remember to kind of form those patties a little bit delicately. You want them to hold together, but you don't want them to be too dense. I typically make mine about, oh, three quarters of an inch thick, something Mm -hmm. right around there. Um, And if you've ever done this, if you've ever cooked your patties on the grill and notice, they will tend to kind of puff up in the middle. I was going to ask you, how do you keep them from doing that? Because mine turn into softballs. Right? It's it's very common for that. They kind of inflate, puff up like that. What you can do is you take your patty while you're forming it and just take your thumb and your forefingers and make a slight indentation in the center of that burger, right? Just enough. And that compensates for that expansion. So if if you do that right, you'll end up with a perfectly shaped not an odd shaped, but a perfectly shaped burger when uh, when it comes off the grill. Nice. Okay. I'll it really is. That. Yeah. I'm telling you, for me, I'm a salt and pepper girl. Now, I have friends that'll spice them up with all manner of different sorts of rubs and things, you know, the different things that they add on there. I, I'm kind of a truest, a, a purist, you know, so I typically, if I've got a good quality beef, I'll just do a little salt and pepper on the outside of that and uh, cook them over medium-high heat. Now, if you're going to use that two-zone cooking method that I mentioned with the grill, uh, you're going to start them out on the hot, hot side. You're going to sear them good. You know, get that nice grill mark on the outside and kind of kind of sear and char that outside. I can smell this burger cooking. I'm getting hungry. Are you getting hungry (laughs) just talking about it? I am. So probably about three minutes, flip it. Sear it again on the other side, right? About three minutes or so till you've got that nice crust. Please, if I can, if, if nothing else is taken away from this segment, I'm hoping that, that that I can impart this little bit of good advice to you. Don't take your spatula and press down. Oh, no. No, because no. you know what you're doing. It's counterintuitive, really. You're, you're trying to achieve a good burger, but when you press down on there, you're probably thinking, oh, I'm speeding up the cooking process. I'm making sure that it, you're squeezing all of those wonderful beef juices right out of that hamburger and right onto your coals. And so if you want a flaring up coals and a really yes. dry burger, yes. then push on your burger. Push on your burger. If that's not what you want, don't push on your burger. <laughs> don't push. Don't squeeze out the juices. The less is more in this case, all right? The less you handle it, the better. And then once you've done that, and you've got that nice sort of charred outside, you can slide those burgers over to the less hot side, shall we say, and kind of finish them off and kind of we're going from direct heat to indirect heat. Now, at this point, if you want to add some cheese, you can you can cover them with cheese. You can Put the lid on. Um, You can just kind of cook it slowly so that it's not overcooked. Keep an eye on it. Depending on how you like your burgers, if you want to achieve a a medium uh, doneness, Mm -hmm. you want to cook those things to about 160 degrees internally, about 145 for medium rare, which is my preference. Um, So uh, typically, I always advise people... um, I more or less now can kind of eyeball it. I kind of know. And there's some techniques for telling when they're done. But, you know, just to be safe, uh, there's nothing wrong with having an, an internal read thermometer handy. 
Um, I still use mine quite a bit and just kind of check the doneness of those. But once you've been doing this for a while, you'll be able to gauge and you won't need to, to, to check the temperature. Now, if you're going to make a cheeseburger, do you ever put cheese inside the meat? Oh, Sandy, you're such a rebel. <laughs> you're such a hamburger rebel. You know what? I have. And it's fun. And it's a lot of fun. My, I used to do that for my children. Mm-hmm. They loved that. So absolutely. I've done mozzarella inside before. Uh, I've done a ch- big old fat chunk of cheddar cheese before inside. Just make sure you're sealing the outsides of that so that cheese doesn't melt and start oozing out. Right. You know I mean? But right. Uh, that's, a, that's a yummy thing. Blue cheese inside a burger. Have you done, oh, have you done that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Caramelized onions on top. Oh, hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah, that, work, that, that dog hunts. Yeah. <laughs> I want one of those right now. Okay. Right now. Where can we go get one? <laughs> so uh, anyway, so about 145 degrees for a medium rare. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things, actually, and, and rather than melting the cheese on the burger while it's on the grill, I love to take mine off and then... Um, I'll put a dollop of pimento cheese on top of mine. Oh wow! And in fact, that's yeah. a recipe in my last book. I had a big old dollop of this one, dollop of this wonderful uh, pimento cheese right on top of that big burger. It's just and your pimento cheese is awesome. Yeah, it is good. I will say it's it good. Is. It's, it's very called good. fully loaded pimento cheese, and I've got uh, jalapenos in it and chopped onions and all kinds of good things. But and then you know what you can do also is you can toast those buns right on the grill if you want to. You can brush them, you can spritz them with a little olive oil, brush them with a little butter, or just drop them right onto that grate. Uh, kind of toast those up, get a little char even on the bread. It's and delicious. do not walk away from them while you're doing that. They burn in about a nanosecond. Don't they? Yeah. Don't they? And that's a challenge for a lot of cooks. Because, you know, those of us that, that cook and those of us that bake, it's really two different sides of the brain. Yes. Um, I'm not, I, I can bake. It, it's not my forte. And I'm, I'm far more prone to accidents with baking because mm-hmm. it requires uh, close attention. Right. <laughs> I tend to be a little... <laughs> Something shiny Yes, I'm a, I'm a little ADD when it comes to <laughs> in the kitchen. I really am. And then I would probably, these this delicious burger that you've worked so hard on, I, I would top it off you know, with, with the condiment and the topping of your choice. For me, it would be a nice piece of crispy lettuce, a thick slice of good tomato. Uh, you know, here in the South, if you mm-hmm. can get your hands on a Vidalia onion, you, you will not go wrong. No, that is true. Right. I liked your idea about caramelizing the onions. Yes. You know, kind of. Those are nice. On, yeah, they're good on a burger. So delicious. And then we've got a, a super extra special little bonus for our burger segment here, and that's going to be the Southern Sisters Spectacular Burger Sauce. And it's 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 yummy. I haven't had it yet. Do tell. Okay. Well, this can go on anything, really. It would be wonderful on sandwiches as well. But this is just a fabulous burger sauce. It's not. You can make it as spicy as you want to, but basically, here's how you here's how you throw it together. And this will be on the website, folks. You can get it there. The Southern Sisters Spectacular Burger Sauce. About a half a cup of mayonnaise, a fourth a cup of ketchup, about three tablespoons of yellow mustard, about a fourth of a cup of dill pickle. Relish. Now, you can use the sweet if you want. I like the dill. I like the tang. Uh, one half of a teaspoon of smoked paprika. Invest yourself in a, in a bottle of smoked paprika because it it's great on chicken. You don't need to worry that you're not going to use the smoked paprika, but you will. About a half a teaspoon of garlic powder and, powder. and then I love to put in about a teaspoon of hot sauce. Whisk it all together, right? Chill it maybe a little bit first. And then put a nice big dollop of that stuff on top of your burger. Heaven. That sounds heavenly. And if you missed any of that recipe, know that you can get it online at southernsistershome.com. We'll be right back. So Southern, even our drawl has a drawl. It's Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. So Southern, you can hear the butter melting on the biscuit. 
your Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio program, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. We're in our final segment now, and I I was going to tell you, Sandy, I've been drinking an awful lot of peach tea this week. And you look like you have peaches growing out of your ears. No, oh, wait, that's the headphones. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, never mind. No. (laughs) You're so funny. You're so funny. I thought you were going to say I had a beautiful peachy glow. And you have a lovely peachy complexion. (laughs) Yes, you do. Well, you know, I've just been so excited about our partnership with the Charleston Tea Plantation. You know, as Southern sisters, we love a bargain. We love to shop and we love a bargain. You can put the two things together, all the better. We like retail therapy without the retail prices. That's my favorite. Right? And we do love tea. I like it sweet. You like, like it unsweet. Yes. That's okay. We can compromise. Um, but the wonderful thing about the Charleston Tea Plantation is that they have agreed to give us an amazing deal. If you go to southernsistershome.com and use promo code SISTERS, easy to remember, you will get a 30% discount on a, uh, on a box of peach tea. 12 beautiful little uh, pyramid-shaped mesh tea bags, and they just make the most glorious, heavenly, southern-grown tea. And that is an important distinction because uh, every other kind of tea out there sold on the market is not 100% made in this country. Only the Charleston Tea Plantation can has that claim to fame, really. So, so head on over to the website. Clean, delicious, pure, and a deal. It is. And hurry, because I'm about to buy it all up for myself. <laughs> I'm thinking it would make wonderful gifts also. Yeah, no doubt. Shelf life, it lasts a long, long time. So, But, you know, as we kind of uh, talk about life in the South, we were talking about Southern hospitality earlier in mm-hmm. the first segment. And uh, something that Southern women, we are just, I think, just so good at it. And those of us that aren't that good at it, we'd more than likely have a Southern sister that will come alongside us and, and kind of teach out. us. Yes. Yes. So uh, a little bit of training sometimes is involved. But, you know, as we think about uh, passing a lot of these traditions down to our children um, through the generations, you know, one thing that I have really uh, come to find a lot of families that I have spoken to as I'm out and about touring around with my cookbooks around the Southeast is I have many, many people come up to me and tell me that they are putting together family cookbooks. That's the best idea. Isn't it? Yeah. Family cookbooks. And I will often ask them, well, how are you doing this? You know, I know how I did mine. It was a different process, right? I have them printed and I by the thousands, but but how would you go about putting together a special cookbook for your family, maybe your close family and friends? And mm-hmm. and really, it is a glorious and wonderful thing, and it's much more than a cookbook, honestly. Um, for you know, in here in the South, we tend to collect cookbooks. I know that. Yeah, you do too, don't you? Don't look at my house. Oh, <laughs> you probably got more than ten or fifteen. I'm betting you have a lot. Slightly of more books. than ten or fifteen. Yes. <laughs> I've always said that cookbooks are an extension of our culture here in the South. Southern women and men, too. I bet Marquis does it. Read cookbooks like novels. They are entertainment, Mm -hmm. particularly the ones that have pictures and stories and things like that. Like yours. Well, very much like mine also. I really just wrote wrote books the way I would want them to. And and I collect lots of cookbooks. I've got, you know, Ina Garten's books and the Pioneer Woman. I've got all of those um, because I love to read them. Now, the difference here with a family cookbook is you're in complete control of your cookbook. You can do what you want. Um, And it's more than more than recipes. Typically, uh, a family cookbook would be a a reflection of your family's history, your family's culture, um, something that you can pass on to your children and future generations. The nice thing is that in this age of, uh, of technology, there are so many wonderful online services and companies um, that if you provide them with the uh, the recipes and your your documents and your files, 
they will create these, print them for you, bind them up, make them as beautiful a book as you'd see in any any bookstore. And that's nice to do and reasonably priced. A lot of these services will print a book for anywhere. There's a wide range depending on, you know, what you want to do. But anywhere between, I'd say, 7 or $8 up to $30, $40, depending on how elaborate and how big the book is. Right. Right. Um, but what you want to do if you think this is something you might want to tackle um, is you want to start out just gathering your recipes together. Um, certainly, you want to put the word out um, among your family members that, look, we're putting together a family cookbook, so we need everybody to contribute, right? Start rummaging through the old tattered, you know, the tattered index cards. When the And I have, oh man, I have those that my mom hand wrote. And I just, they're oh. just a treasure for me. They're precious. But yeah, right? but looking through those cards or, mm-hmm. or thinking about when the family reunions happened, which aunt brought what food. You have to have that recipe. You have to have that special recipe. Absolutely. And you know, the kids, the teenagers, and sometimes the early 20-somethings, they don't get it yet. They don't, it's not that important to them because they're all cooking off of Pinterest right now. Right. Right? Okay, they are. Uh, but one day they're going to say, where is grandma's dressing recipe? Right. You know, where is Aunt Tootie's ch- chocolate cake recipe? Right? Yeah. And those things are going to become more important. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be nice if you have them all compiled we for them. We need rotten banana cupcake recipe. <laughs> Is that a real? Is it that is a real, a real thing. thing. Yes, <laughs> it is a real thing. It I is, love it. It's not made of rotten bananas, but it's made of bananas that are so ripe, really, that the peel has gone black. Really? Yes, and the banana inside is nothing but sweet mush. Oh, I love it. And it, it makes the best, best banana bread or banana really? cupcakes. And my mom made them. Yeah. Wow. And she was called Mima. Really? Yep. Mima's so they were Mima's what? Rotten Banana Cupcakes. Can I have that for the next book? Yes, ma'am, you okay. may. I'll give you credit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're doing is you're gathering your recipes together. Make a plan, maybe an outline. Organize. Decide how you want to organize your cookbook. Do you want to do it traditionally? You want to have desserts, appetizers, main dishes. I had a friend that organized hers by season. So she had all the springtime recipes. She had a glorious holiday section in her book where it was all the family's different holiday recipes that they'd eaten over, the, you know, that they'd prepared mm-hmm. and served over the years. Um, so you want to start pulling this all together. And of course, don't limit yourself to recipes. Along with the recipes, you want to start the story. the story. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure the recipes are wonderful, but if you've got a squash casserole recipe, might very well be like a lot of people's squash casserole recipe, but what sets your yours apart is the story behind it. Who made that? Right. Where did they bring that? Where right. did that recipe come from? Right. What memories do you have associated with those dishes? And you want to make sure you include that in your cookbook. And it may very well be that everybody that submits a recipe is required to submit a little blurb about it, you know, so you know where everything came from. And some old pictures, some old family photos. Old pictures are the best. Yes. I was at a book signing in Aliceville, Alabama last year, and um, I had a, a sweet gentleman that came in, and he brought me a copy of his family cookbook. So he bought my cookbook and I bought his. <laughs> we basically <laughs> traded. And because because many of his family recipes had come from index card that had precious little notes and handwriting on them, rather than type the recipes into his cookbook, they had just photocopied the cards. Oh, wow. Because that way they they preserved the, the his grandmother's original yes. handwriting, which, mm-hmm. which is just one more way to do that. Right. Um, so you want to make it a team effort. That's it, Make it fun for everybody. Um, and, and, and the quotes also. I know that a lot of my recipes came with some quotes. I remember some... Little fun little stories, you know. You might say, "Now, what was that crazy thing Aunt Tootie said about you know her uh, her asparagus <laughs> dip or whatever?" You know, include that. Um, it's just a, a way of passing down not only the recipes but also your your culture. 
and uh, and be prepared. You you might get a little emotional in the process. I know that when oftentimes I uh, it, it it really tugs at my heartstrings when I start um, thumbing through my mother's recipe mm-hmm. book. I will remember that's okay. It is okay. It is, and uh, and you know, and you understand the importance of sort of passing down these traditions to the next generation we spoke last week about the book that you had written mm-hmm. uh, not a cookbook necessarily right but nope. words of wisdom right and that had been your mother's and how important that was to you to kind of pass that along right yeah it, it, passing along family stories and family history is a way to connect the generations right in a way that there's no smartphone or ipad in the world that can do that Right. There's just, not. Yeah. It there, makes it work. It's, there isn't. You know, um, along with the stories, I, I find sometimes it's fun to interview the elders in the family. And let them tell the story. Right? Yes. That can be precious. Yes. Because a lot of times these are things that you might not have known if you didn't kind of drag it out of them. You know, I, and I find it's always good to ask open-ended questions. Uh, case in point, my dear friend uh, from Beaufort, South Carolina, Sarah Livingston, and her children had asked her because they were interviewing her for a cookbook. And they said, you know, tell us, gosh, you know, Aunt Sarah, if you ever moved away from the South, you know, what would that be like for you? What do you think you'd miss most if you moved away from the South? Because she had lived in South Carolina her entire life. And this is what Sarah, Sarah Livingston had to say. She said, if I ever move away from the South, I think the only thing I would miss or the thing I would miss most would be cornbread. Definitely cornbread. Oh, and sweet tea. I cannot imagine a day without good sweet tea. Oh, and homemade peach jam. If I moved away from the South, I could ask my friends to send me some peach jam, but it would not be the same without good biscuits to put it on. So I would miss those, too. Surely I would also miss fried green tomatoes. Oh, and catfish. Oh, and real chopped barbecue, right? The kind that we make in the South and serve with white bread for dipping in the sauce. I would also miss sweet potato casserole and collard greens. Oh, and Lord, how I would miss pimento cheese. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about banana pudding. On second thought, that may be the one thing I would miss the most if I ever moved away from the South. That's Sarah Livingston, Beaufort, South Carolina. Fried chicken? Where's my fried chicken? I know. I Cooked know. in a cast iron skillet. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> really? I, I think if they had let Sarah talk a little longer, she would have gotten around she to the gotten fried there. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you... All right. But I'm there with. I'm right there with her. I am so there for her. Right. For, with the banana pudding. Oh my gosh. Right. There is nothing like a good banana pudding. How do you make yours? Do you do like a? Because you know some will do a meringue on top, and others will do a whipped cream on top. None of the above. No. Banana pudding with what? vanilla wafers and sliced bananas in it. Oh, really? You don't do any of the whipped cream or the meringue mm-hmm. on top? No. Nope. Mm. You can have that if you want. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, there's no shame. Right. No no judgment. Right. You can put it there if you want it. But I just <laughs> like the banana pudding part. You do. Yeah. That's the best part anyway, That's isn't what it? I think. Oh, my God. You, you must like bananas. We got the rotten banana bananas. cupcakes and the banana yeah. pudding. Yeah. We need to do a whole segment just on that, right? Banana cream pie. Mm, bananas out of hand, banana s'mores. I learned those when I was a Girl Scout. Really? Yeah. I don't remember those. Oh, you take a banana Mm -hmm. and you just peel one of the peels off. Not all the way off, but all the way down. Right. And you scoop out about a third of the banana. Uh What you do with that is totally up to you, but you fill the space up with chocolate chunks and marshmallows. And you close that banana peel back over it and you wrap the whole banana in aluminum foil. And then you put it right next to the embers of the fire. (gasps) Oh! And let it sit there for about oh five or minutes or so. That you know. sounds amazing. Hey, it is could we, so good. Well, we don't. We were talking about grilling. Could we put it on the grill? Sure. Right. Yeah. Oh, we just tied that all right together, didn't we? That You're was, so. That good. was beautiful. You're brilliant. <laughs> well, we are just so excited that you've been with us during this hour for our Southern Sisters Radio program. We hope you'll join us back here right here next week 
for a whole lot more fun and some great food. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us here at Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. If you have questions for Jenny, want more information about something you heard on today's show, or want to enter any of the Southern Sisters contests, visit southernsistershome.com. And remember to connect with Jenny on Facebook at Southern Sisters Home with Jenny McCormick Earhart.